to the Meaningful Marketplace. I'm Sarah Massoni from Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center, where I've helped countless dreamers launch their new food products. It's the science of taking a food delight from the kitchen to mass manufacturing and still keeping its great taste. That's what I do. I've been called the woman with the million dollar palate, although I haven't tried to cash that check yet. Listen in weekly for real life stories. Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce and author of Preservation Pantry, modern canning from root to top and stem to core. I love inspiring business owners to get started on their journeys, encouraging folks to be part of their local community, and I'm excited to help business owners tell their stories. Join us as we explore the journeys of women entrepreneurs in the food and beverage industry. Market of Choice is a proud sponsor of the Meaningful Marketplace because we believe in the power of local craft makers to reinvent the way food and beverage products get to market in Oregon. Our vision is to inspire, mentor, support, and assist local producers reach their fullest potential. For over 40 years, Market of Choice has been supporting our local farmers, ranchers, fisher folk, and entrepreneurs. We believe the way we source products has a positive ripple effect across our great state. That's why we are proud to offer over 7,000 local products to our stores and that the majority of our purchases support our robust regional food system. <laughs> Good morning, Sarah. Hi. <laughs> We're I so love into market market of choice. Me yeah. too, man. I just dropped off some stuff to, stuff to their uh, Belmont store, so they're all stocked up on hot sauce. Was it busy? Um, you know, I just go in the back receiving area. So the thing that's I'm really into with all the stores right now is they've come up with new systems for receiving, so it's pretty easy. It's pretty streamlined there. So yeah. everybody, just like when you go in the front of the store with all the um, drop-offs, you still wear masks and gloves, and you go in the back, and it's just like one-on-one interaction, which is really mm-hmm. nice because they're yeah. thinking about everybody, so it's good. Yeah, it's amazing how removing human contact can simplify things. <laughs> it makes things a lot quicker. <laughs> There's no dilly dallying. It's like straight to the point. <laughs> oh, you don't even visit. You don't I know. Tell your stories. That's like the that. hard part, but it is yeah. kind of it is more efficient. Good yeah. morning, everybody, and welcome to Missoni and Marshall, a meaningful marketplace. Thanks for joining us today as we hear the stories of female food entrepreneurs. This is Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce. And Sarah Missoni of Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences Food Innovation Center. Oh, yeah. You have a specific twist today. <laughs> yeah, I added that in. I was thinking about it. I was like, I'm supposed to talk about the College of Ag Sciences because that's the home for the Food Innovation Center. And we mm-hmm. actually have a couple. Uh, there's a job opening right now in the College of Ag Sciences through the Food Science Department in Astoria at the Seafood Center. There's a product development specialist that they're looking for. Oh, So cool. if you want to live in Astoria and you know anything about seafood, let me know. I'll connect you. Yeah, there's not always jobs that open up. I know that people can find the the department specifically through Twitter because we follow them on our Twitter, Instagram, and so they could contact them that way too. Yeah, I have it on LinkedIn. If you go to my LinkedIn, I have the job description listed. Cool. 
Mm-hmm. Well, we're gl- glad everybody joined us live today. We're honoring our social distancing and each calling in for the show. Since we're a live radio show, we think it's important at this time to bring stories of hope and inspiration for everybody. So we have our guest here on the phone, and she will introduce her in just a minute. But Sarah, I wanted to ask how your week has been this week. I saw you've been doing a lot of... Um, baking and i know specifically you do gluten-free baking so i didn't know if you had any suggestions for people that are baking at home maybe for the first time but they want to do it gluten-free do you have any tips for them actually i wanted to serve uh french tips this week my husband's like we need to have french tips i've been asking everyone on the family like what do you want to eat because i have time to actually prepare nice meals and he said french tips so i was like Oh, great. Where are we going to get gluten-free bread? And I said, oh, I have some Bob Treadmill bread mix in my pantry. So I mixed it up and I put it in a big gallon-sized Ziploc bag and I cut the end off fairly large. And then I squeezed it out into like roll-sized shapes. And I proofed it and baked it. And it was perfect and delicious. That's so, so awesome. Do you do you think whenever I look at gluten-free recipes, we have a lot of friends that are gluten-free. So when we have them coming over, I don't see a lot of recipes tell you to let things proof or rise. Like it seems like that step is missing from a lot of the recipes out there. But when you were doing it, that's why I thought it was interesting because you did that. And, and I'm, I'm guessing it helps, right? Well, I think a lot of the folks that are formulating are using leavening uh, chemical leavening, like baking soda and baking powder. So you don't necessarily have to let the stuff proof. You okay. usually just let it rest for a little while, let the gas production happen. But when you do that, one of the tricks I've found is that you can add a little bit of um, vinegar or some kind of acid, maybe lemon juice, and it'll actually help it to get more puffy and have a little bit of lighter texture. So if you if you're kind of like eh, this gluten free stuff's so heavy, yeah. try adding a little bit of vinegar, or buttermilk, or something like that, so that you activate the leavening, so it creates bubble the gas and the bubbles, and it puffs it up. I knew you would have some science tips for our listeners out there. Sarah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whenever I don't know what to do, I always come to you and you give me oh. the best advice. <laughs> I try. <laughs> Uh, for today's food news, uh, we just want to congratulate all of our local James Beard Award nominations. Ooh, um, the yeah. James Beard Awards were on hold because everything that has happened, but then they decided to bring some joy to people right now, especially restaurant owners who, um, you know, probably need it. So uh, we have a lot of local people that um, are have made it very far into Kudos. the awards. So. Um, the local, the there's two local restaurants, Eam and Gato Gato, that are up for the new restaurant award. So congratulations to those guys. And then um, best chef Northwest nominations. We have four Portland people right now that have made it to the next stage. So that's Peter Cho of Han Oak, uh, my buddy Gigi from Departure. Katie Millard from Coquine, Kristen Murray from Maurice. And the final winners are going to be announced on Twitter, September 25th. So I just wanted to let our listeners know that they haven't ever done it that way before, but they're um, trying to be innovative with everything. And I think they just want to um, have people be focused on some, you know, some good. Um, And they're trying to bring that to those people. So congratulations to our local buddies. Congratulations. 
And if you have any uh, food news you would like us to announce or talk about, you can submit those at startupradionetwork.com and we will tell people all of your news, whatever you have. And it's good practice for those of you that haven't done a press release before. And if you need help with that, we can walk you through it. And speaking of chefs that we love, we are yeah. joined today with Chef Heidi Lovig, the owner of Heidi Ho Plant Powered Foods. Heidi is famous around here for her plant-based cheese making skills. Hi, Heidi. Hi, Hi everyone. How are you? <laughs> We're good. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yay. <laughs> and you guys can't see Heidi, our listeners, but we can see her on Zoom, and it's so nice to see your face today. Um, I used to see Heidi at the farmer's market. That's where we met. Um, and we were booth neighbors for a long time. We were booth neighbors at the PSU farmer's market. It was such yeah. a sweet time, a more simple time, wasn't it? Yeah, that's for sure. That yeah. ad, I think that was the first year that I brought Adeline to the market. So, you know, that was like six years ago. It's a tiny baby. Yes. <laughs> that well, was, Heidi, yeah. we want to help um, tell your story and have our listeners connect um, to you. So what are your social media handles so people can follow you along on your journey? Thank you. Um, at Heidi Ho Foods uh, is pretty much all of them. So you can find me on Facebook at, at Heidi Ho Foods and Instagram and Twitter. Cool. And, and we tagged you in things too. So if you will follow us already, we can, you can find Heidi there. And then my um, personal uh, is Heidi K. Lovig, H-E-I-D-I-K-L-O-V-I-G. That's my personal Instagram. So people can contact me if they want to DM me or have questions. Awesome. Cool. Thank you. Uh, so we want to walk through kind of your journey. And so I had a question for you, which is what I know that you're a chef, but what came first? Was it the chefing or was it the vegan cheese making? Definitely chefing came first. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I decided after I was living in um, Cambodia and I uh, spent about six, seven months living there. And when I got back, I had returned to the United States because my grandmother had passed and um, really didn't know what I wanted to do. I was sad to leave Cambodia. I loved living there. I loved working with people there. And, uh, and what I learned from the people that I was in community with there was how much I loved to feed people. And it was my favorite thing to go to the markets with the women and pick out the ingredients for the evening and uh, go back to open fire and prepare meals and feed all the children in the village, uh, first, seconds, thirds, and then whatever was left, the adults would split. And I thought it was just the most beautiful, uh, I guess, way to honor growing children and make sure that they were getting the nutrients they need um, in their thriving community. And so uh, when I got back to the U.S., um, I just decided that's what I wanted to do. So I, you know, the Pacific Northwest has the best ingredients. So um, and the best farms and the best food scene. And it was like free kind of farm to table was just kind of being talked about and Alice Waters was starting, you know, she was like pioneering it, but it was really still kind of um, small. And so I came up and went to Le Cordon Bleu and really focused on um, allergens while I was there. So um, gluten-free and dairy-free and just really wanted to 
see about kind of these alternative diets that were beginning to emerge in the market. Um, and then I, then I went on to do my externship in uh, Hawaii. Oh, which, which was lots wonderful. of tropical weather. I like yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I worked under Peter Merriman um, at Merriman's on the Big Island, and I uh, loved working at that restaurant. When I came back to Portland after that, I started working at Departure, and I spent some time at Departure. Um, great restaurant. That vegan menu came together while I was there. And um, and I started playing around with making non-dairy cheeses. And, uh, How many years went, ago was that? Gosh, that had to be like 2009. Right at 2000, the yeah. crash you were like starting stuff. That's cool. Yeah. So from there, I started freelance kind of helping restaurants um, get vegan options onto their menus because there was some demand for it. And uh, through that process, I started working with a cafe that asked me to do their entire menu and make sure that there was some vegan options. And I tried all the non-dairy cheeses that were on the market, and I thought that they were all, well, quite frankly, repulsive. And none of them were made of... (laughs) They were all made of um, of ingredients that I just like really thought were junk. Wow! So, so I started playing <laughs> around with real food. That's awesome. And so, were you when you were playing around with it? Did you have the idea that you were going to have something to bring to market, or were you just? Were you thinking of a restaurant or what, what, what did you have in mind? Did you think you'd be where you are now? No, I had no idea. I, I'm be here. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> um, what, what I was thinking about was like, oh, cool. I can make these, you know, little non-dairy things and sell them to little cafes around here. And I could sell it to food fight and I could, um, you know, get it into coffee shops and they'd be able to use this as an alternative to dairy cheese and be able to make people bagels and all kinds of stuff. But it was very, in my mind, very small scale. Um, yeah, I re- you remember you came to the Food Innovation Center. Was that when you were first starting? Yes, I was a baby when we first met, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you and I have worked uh, on a couple of different projects. I've had, yeah. you know, I've been through it all. So um, yeah. you, you've always been like, we've got to ask Sarah. Yeah, <laughs> came up. Let's ask Sarah. Well, you got. I mean, you were doing some epic stuff. Had a huge manufacturing facility and all of that. And I came and visited you there. Uh, that was that was fun and interesting to see how you scaled everything from doing it in your home kitchen all the way up to huge manufacturing. That was yeah. Big. And yeah, there were, were a lot of stages to get there. It was, you know, it was from home to a small facility to, a, you know, that I was renting and then to another facility that was just mine that I was renting and then the build out of the big manufacturing facility. So it did take a few um, different locations to get to the big one. And so now currently, is that what you have is a big, a big facility that you run? 
No, not anymore. Um, I have dissolved my own manufacturing um, and am working in partnership with this wonderful local manufacturer that makes all my products. And I get to spend a lot more time now doing development and creating new products and spending time in the kitchen. I think, you know, one of the things that when the company grew really big, really fast, I found myself spending quite a bit of time doing two things, staring at spreadsheets and asking <laughs> men for money. And and to be quite honest, like the investor. Yeah. That sounds terrible, man. It was totally <laughs> terrible. I remember going in there and terrible. Heidi had her desk like shoved up against a wall in this enormous room. And it was like, it was uncomfortable. It didn't feel like it was really comfortable for you either. Nope, it was not no. comfortable. And I've traveled all over the country and that's super cool. And I got to meet with buyers, but I just constantly felt like I was, you know, staring at spreadsheets, to be quite honest, and was not getting to do what I wanted to do with my time. And I sort of just ended up in this role that didn't really fit who I am. And I needed to figure out how to get back to being able to innovate and bring new things to the market and actually touch food and, you know feed people, which was the goal. Yeah. Yeah. Get back to the roots. Yeah. So when you decided that you wanted to make those decisions to change it up, was it difficult to do or were you able to just refocus it? Because you had to kind of realign the business, right? I did. I mean, you know, there was a series of circumstances that came up um, that were quite frankly, very challenging um, that had to do with the capital and the money. And uh, I mean, the capital in the company. Um, And it just gave me a great opportunity to look at the company from a different lens and make some big decisions about what it was doing, um, who was going to stay involved, who was not going to be involved anymore and sort of downsize um, in reaction to these unfortunate things that came up financially. So you were part of this exciting television show called Shark Tank? Yeah, I was. And so you went through all the paces. We have a lot of people here in Oregon that have been guests on Shark Tank, but um, very few have made it as far as you did. Can you just give us like a one minute synopsis of how that happened and what it was like. Yeah. So when I first, I don't know if I can do it in one minute, Sarah, but I'll try really okay. hard. <laughs> I do. Um, the, uh, I had I had a, a successful Kickstarter campaign back when I was just renting kitchen space from the guy that owns Papa G's, and um, I did this Kickstarter campaign, raised a bunch of money. It was a fun little video, um, and I say a bunch of money, like twelve thousand dollars, but that was a lot of money to get the company going. Right, a couple pieces of equipment I needed, so that that video was floating out in the ethers, and then carried on you know, got to a new facility. It was like 900 square feet, all mine. Um, And out of the blue one day, I received a phone call uh, from Shark Tank and they wanted an update on where my business was at. They had seen my Kickstarter video and I guess found me amusing enough. And um, (laughs) I 
I chatted on the phone with one of their producers for, you know, about an hour and a half. And at the end of that, she was amused and she was like, you'd be great. Let's do this. Um, put together this video. So I was, it was towards the end of the casting of that year. It was like 2014. And they were just trying to fill in some gaps for the season. And uh, it all happened very fast. It was like, make the video. Okay, now fill out the paperwork. Okay, let's get the paperwork done. Okay, now you're flying to L.A. And now you're filming. And so, um, you know, I went on the show. I took my vegan cheeses on the show. It was the first time in history that a vegan company had gone on the show um, and had a had a win. And so, and then I also ended up making the fastest deal in the history of the show. So I was in the tank for like a total of 14 minutes and had a deal by the end of it. And it was kind of a hysterical deal. I don't know if you got a chance to see it, but, you know, they all kind of simultaneously went out in support of me taking the deal with Lori um, because she had offered me a great deal for the valuation of the company at the time. And so I, you know, shouted, we've got a deal right at the end. And uh they all burst into laughter and it was really fun. I had a great time and Lori has been a phenomenal partner to Heidi Ho. So um, it was good. It was cool. That's, That's cool. so cool. When, um, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting when somebody from, you know, like our, our local food community um, has these opportunities to be in front of people on TV and in shows and things like that. And um, I think you just mentioning the, um, the interview is that I think that people don't always realize that that's how it's wor it works. It is like being mm -hmm. interviewed for a job. Like you will get a random phone call and yeah. someone will be interviewing you all of a sudden about being on a show or something. So if anybody gets those calls, do you have any advice for them? Yeah. I mean, I always encourage people now after that experience that if you see a phone call come from a 213, a 323 or an 818, you should answer the phone. <laughs> because <laughs> those are those are all L.A. area codes. And I, uh, you know, there's definitely opportunity coming out of L.A. I mean, L.A. is great for taking new things to the forefront and um whether it's publicity or just there's so many opportunities, right? So um, always answer your phone if you see that area code. Um, and just be ready to be yourself. I think that they really look for people who are comfortable in their skin, who feel good in their skin, who are confident, who can, you know, um, who aren't too shy and are just natural. I think they're always looking for people like that. So be yourself and uh, don't worry yeah. about the cameras and just shine. Just be you and shine. Well, yeah, I think so you great. did a really great job with that on on the show because I, I watched you on it and I've been around you a lot. So I know who you are and how you are. And it, I really felt like you did a good job of just being you. Um, yeah, it's just you. hard to do sometimes when you're nervous or when you're, yeah. you also are dealing with money and your business and it's like hard to do, but you did a great job just showing people who you are. And, and I think that's part of why they were so attracted to you as a business because they knew yeah. that you believed it and that it was part of your life and, and what you're doing. So I think you, um, you know, I always try to recommend to people to pitch their own businesses to media and, um, to do as much of that as they can. And really you have to like, be authentic to yourself while you're doing that. And I think that you were the perfect example of that. 
Yeah. Oh, thank I you just, so much, Sarah. Yeah. I want to reiterate the phone answering and the email responses because that's basically how I got on CBS Sunday morning as I answered a call and also um, being present in the moment and listening to people and understanding that they actually do want to, you know, learn and hear about you can get you into some great media. It's really cool. Yeah, definitely. And even other opportunities that I have, like, you know, I'm a yes person, which does create its own challenges because sometimes I say <laughs> yes to too much. Yeah. Um, but uh, when I did, you know, Celebrity Cupcake Wars, that was another random, here's a phone call. What are you doing? Do you have time? Let's make this happen. And yeah. um, and all of those things have just been me saying, raising my hand and saying, yep, I'm I'm in. You know, let's yeah. do it. <laughs> Tell me where to show up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think yeah. that's a good way to do it, though, because it get, does get you in front of a lot of different people. And um, and you can just do your thing. And as long as you believe in what you're doing, it doesn't really matter if you like you do it and you're like, well, that was terrible. But like, I, I you know, I did the best I could with the situation. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I've always wanted to do that show Chopped, to be quite honest with because oh. I I love cooking under pressure and oh. I love secret ingredient boxes and I love to throw a <laughs> meal together from like whatever's left. Nice. That would How be a gonna, fun We got to get you on there. We'll have It'd to hashtag fun. them. <laughs> I know. Yeah. We'll have yeah. to. We'll push it, Heidi. We want you one there too. It would be so fun. That would be we'll a hoot for you. <laughs> Thanks, Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the things that you're doing because I want our um, listeners to know about it. So I um, saw that you do some recipe development for other vegan companies. And I know sometimes you sign NDAs and you can't talk about it, but are there any um, products that you could tell us about that you've been involved in developing? Yeah, and I could talk about things that um, without, you know, saying the names of the brand. So like sure. um, there's a couple of companies that I'm working with uh, where I've helped them formulate um, their ice cream and um you know, and you know about my partnership with Salt and Straw, and Salt and Straw does a lemon cheesecake every January for their Veganuary January, um, where they add a bunch of vegan ice creams. And so that partnership's been happening for, I think this was year four. Um, and it's wonderful, right? That's such a great ice cream. It's a great time of year for that. And um, I'm working with another ice cream company to help get their manufacturing up and running in an order and kind of streamline it so that they're not spending too much time. So I came in to sort of give them some guidance on efficiency, saw where there was some opportunities, helped make some changes, and we're, we're working that out. Um, there's a ravioli company, a gluten-free ravioli company that I've developed the filling for. Um, and so it's going to be a dairy-free, gluten-free rav, and that is coming to market probably in fall. Um, and that'll be hopefully across the whole country. So um, I got some good flavors there. Um, I did some development on a project for the, the, the inside of a jalapeno popper, um, 
to me, and the, also the inside of a mozzarella stick. Um, I've done development work with Tyson when they were working on putting together some bowls. So I've been in, I've had a lot, my hands in a lot of different development projects, which is fun for me because it keeps me, you know, playing with food and, um, and I get to see those things come to life in other brands, which is fun. That's I think cool. it's really cool that you can do that because these companies that are maybe doing something else, but you have become this expert in vegan cheese making. So if they come up with a problem, then you can help them solve it. And then you're carrying on, um, you know, your passion and your um, skill set behind, you know, being vegan and pushing that. And I think it's really awesome. You can pass that on to other companies and then they take on your values and carry them, you know, forth to people. Absolutely. And it's a total win-win, right? Like they come to yeah. me with a challenge and then I can manufacture the products for them. So that eliminates the challenge of them trying to figure out where they need to get it from. And, um, and yeah, and then I get to see these products come to life, which is carrying the voice of the vegan community even further. And, um, I love it. That's cool. Yeah. That's super cool. And, um, we, I wanted to talk about the food, the food service side of things. I keep banging my clipboard on the counter. Sorry. Um, food service side, which I know, um, kind of was where you started. You started by wanting to be in cafes and things. And then, um, that was your plan for the relaunch of the business. And then how is that affected now with everything going on? Yeah. I mean, you know, one of the things I'll turn this into a lesson. Um, when I started my business, uh, when it's, when retail really started to take off, I did not pay enough attention to food service. And so I had a, the, the few eggs that I had were all in pretty small baskets. And, um, I learned through the course of growing my business that food service was a big arm that really needed my attention. And so when the company was restructured, I decided to focus and almost entirely on food service to get it back up and running and um, just a little bit of retail and uh, and then COVID happened. So about 60% of my business is at a standstill. They, they shut down all of the hot bars. Um, there's no, you know, I was doing some like cheesy broccoli soups and in the hot wells at, at different grocery stores and um, had three or four different types of soup on the market in the hot wells. And then also um, had my, you know, my star of the show, my queso had expanded out across Whole Foods Pacific Northwest in all of their, um, you know, taquerias. And then I had launched that as well down into Southern California into all the taquerias. I had, you know, landed Moda Center and I had landed Timber Stadium. And I so I was starting to build this like, this product that was very accessible, it was carried by FSA and all of it just shut down right now. So, um, you know, scrambling, I guess, to, to now focus back on retail because that's, I want to make sure that the products are available to the consumer. Um, and I'm sure that on some level, these things will come back at some point. I've gotten less panicked by change over the time that I've put in, in this company, you know? Yeah. Time will do I think, that. Yeah. I think yeah. you're really good at being, you know, malleable to whatever needs to happen. So I think for sure you'll figure it out. Um, but I, I do think that, um, 
that it's a good lesson for people to know that sometimes you need to have like a lot of options because one of them might go away for whatever reason. Um, we've had to, you know, kind of do the same because we always did farmer's markets. That's where we, and events, that's where we made our money and we've had to really figure out a new way of doing things. So I think you're, uh, again, a good example for people to have and just to show people how to be adaptable to changing times. And so I think, You got it, girl. You'll get it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> if if people do want to buy um, your cheese, can they get it directly from you or do they need to go to a store? Um, they right cannot now. buy it directly from me. They need to go to a store. Um, and Whole Foods carries all my dips. And um, What are I've, they called? I've got a smoky bourbon cheese dip. I've gone and done a beer cheese dip that's freaking delicious. And um, <laughs> and then my star is my queso. I mean, the queso just everybody is obsessed with. I've got a new product coming out with uh, Pacific Coast Fruit is packing a seven-layer dip for me that'll be available at Whole Foods and New Seasons for the whole summer, which is going to be awesome. Um Whole Foods has some of my soups on their on their wall right now on the deli wall. Um, I've got a partnership, you know, I'm a partner brand with New Seasons, so I've got a new Alfredo sauce um, and a mac and cheese sauce is one of their chef sauce that supports No Kid Hungry, um, and so that just hit the market like two seconds ago, and I just wrote them an email today to say, hey, has this hit Instacart so that I can do some promotions for it? So we haven't even really publicly announced these new products. This is I'm wow. giving it to you fresh. So an Yay. Alfredo Yay. and a mac and cheese sauce. Yeah, um, so excellent. that'll be fun. Yeah. And when things are up on Instacart, let us know because we'll tell people about it. And so then they can order it because a lot of our listeners, especially my family, <laughs> will order whatever they can from our guests that come on the show. So um, when it's up, let us know. We'll send people that way. Oh, thank you so much. That's so yeah, lovely totally. of your family. My family's <laughs> like that, too. I've got a ride or die family when it comes to Heidi Ho. Like in it. <laughs> when I first when I first was doing um, business classes, the um, the instructor Bill that I had at Mercy Corps Northwest was like, "Your fam- you have to do this in the beginning for your family because they are going to be the people that buy from you very first, and they're going to be the people that buy from you very last. So like, make sure that they get what you're doing, and that then they will support you in it. You know, and so it That's is good true. advice. I mean, but now my family is so supportive of the local maker movement. And so and anytime they find a new product, they're like, I want you to know about this person that I met, you know, because they'll mm-hmm. do shows for me and things and meet all these lovely makers. So that is so cool. Yeah, that's we very love, cool. We, love we should take our break. Oh, we yeah. T- let's take a break. Okay. We're going to take a quick break and we will be back. Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are proud sponsors of the Meaningful Marketplace. Committed to serving all Oregonians with the mission to advance the science that lives at the crossroads of conservation and production. We are inspired by the creativity of food innovation, new economic opportunities, and new experiences. Because food brings people together. What's your favorite dish to make with your your favorite sauce? Besides just nachos. Is there some tricky dish you should tell us about? 
Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, one of my favorite things to do with the queso um, is to mix it with uh, just white rice and black beans and stuff it into poblano roasted poblano peppers. Um, that's like a really. I, it's not even that complicated, but it's so good. And then serve it with some fresh avocado or guacamole if you want to make it guacamole. Um, I love that. I'll make a little mole sauce to pour over it. Um, gosh, there's so many. Um, done. I just recently I did a Mexican pizza. Um, the Ooh. mac and cheese sauce um, also makes a great base for a pizza. So um, New Seasons is doing their Greater Good box, and they just included these sauces in the Greater Good box. And they had given an, a recipe for a spring pizza that included like pea shoots, and it was so good. It was like stupid good. <laughs> so. Um, and you I, use it on pizza? Do you pour it over everything or do you put it on the crust? Yeah, basically you just uh, replace the sauce and the cheese with mine. So you yeah. can make a white pizza or you could make a um, more cheesy, cheddar looking pizza. Uh, but, you know, I don't really, I don't, I never have been the, the, I'm not the cheese maker that's going to make fake cheese look like real cheese. And I'm not going to be the one to, you know, emulsify fat and starches together to make things stringy. I've left that to other people who have mastered that and are co-packing it in Greece. I would like to keep my ingredients as local as possible. And I really like our fresh food scene and I want my products to taste good by themselves. They're really just like an alternative to cheese. They're not to be, you know, like a mimic. I'm not mimicking anything. Nice. <laughs> you um you used to do cheese in blocks and you have now moved into um, more of the sauces. Uh is there a reason for that or um like what made you make that change? Um the blocks were really hard to scale up. Uh that was really probably the biggest reason that we switched to doing um more sauce like products. Uh the blocks and also one of the ingredients was really rough on the supply chain and um, it's grown in the oceans, which are unstable. And um, and so the pricing on it was up and down and up and down. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't really get a solid supply chain of it um, that I felt like it was going to be consistent and reliable. So I was nervous to take that to it on a national level. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, those kinds of decisions have to be made often when you have a food business. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted people to hear, you know, why you made that decision. And I think um, especially being mindful of the supply chain is really important. So, yeah. And also, like, I had this delicious um, feta crumble. My feta crumbles mm. were the best ever. Yeah. And uh and that was really hard to scale to. Now, that's a product that I have been looking into having another packing facility make for me and bringing it back. But it was a combination of not having the right equipment in my facility to just have that one product made by that one piece of equipment. Um, so it was an equipment issue and also a cross-contamination. So, like, we were already using nuts. And so our facility had to say, you know, we uh, that we use nuts. And I didn't want it to also say soy and so we just decided you know let's not go big with the feta um but i've i, I still want to take that product to market mm. when you have products that um that you phase out do you still make them for yourself at home 
I do, but probably there's somebody that's been working with me forever, Joey Huell, and he is just the best. Um, and he kind of, he's just been a, my production manager for so long. And now he's a production on the production team at Heritage. And, um, Oh, he's such a good guy, but he probably makes the products at home um, for him and his family more than I do. <laughs> I mean, he's committed. He is a dedicated, committed Heidi Ho fan. Do you find that you have a big vegan following? Because whenever I look, so I look at you up doing some research and I found all of these articles that are written in these plant-based magazines about you and you are like this shining star in the community. And so I imagine that you have a lot of people that are like your, your fans. Yeah. I call them my Heidi homies. <laughs> Heidi homies. <laughs> I love uh, that. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I mean, I think that, you know, being in the vegan community, immersed in the plant-based culture that has been being built and cultivated over the past 10 years, um, you know, from the beginning, we are all in this together and we're all trying to grow this market together. And when we look at, you know, meatpacking facilities kind of falling apart right now, um, we've got to have everyone eating more plants. And we're really lucky in the Pacific Northwest because we do. Everybody does. Everybody. Like we we have the access to go to the farmer's market and get delicious, beautiful food. Um, and we've got access to our farmers in every direction, even if it is meat or dairy or eggs, right? Um, but the rest of the country does not. So, yeah, we're just – we're very lucky. I feel like that we're um, – we're so positioned. This is the easiest place to become vegan. It's really the rest of the country that we've got to pay attention to. And how can we get them access to good, healthy, clean food? Mm -hmm. The thing I like about it too, and this can go either way with, cause you know, Sarah's gluten-free and you are mm -hmm. vegan. I think I like having both of those things just be in people's minds and forefront because what it really does, it drives people to, shop at the farmer's market. So even, yeah. um, you know, I was teaching some plant-based cooking classes through Airbnb this whole last year. And I had so many people come to my classes that, um, cause I just wanted to teach people how to cook with food from the farmer's market, you know, how to cook with their vegetables. Cause we got so many questions about it at our stand, but what it does when you teach people how to cook that way is it really opens it up to everybody. Like instead of it being limiting, it's really like anybody can eat this food, which is really nice. I yeah. love that idea that you were cooking plant-based. You were doing cooking classes through Airbnb experience. You know, I have always fantasized about using my floating home and, um, and hosting like small dinner parties at my, like doing pop-ups do basically on my idea. deck through the summer. That would be you, do it. you should for sure. I mean, I, I really, that's what I was doing was I was just inviting six people that I didn't know over to come and cook dinner with me. And we were just getting food, you know, vegetables from the market and cooking them together. And then we would eat the dinner here at the house. And, um, it was really fun. Like it was just as fun for me as it was for them. And then I could teach people, it wasn't really about teaching people how to be vegan at all. It was just teaching people how to eat vegetables and cook with your buddies and have a good time. And so it really brought a lot of joy to the house and to the market and to people. And I think it's just a really fun way to do things. So when, when we can do them again, I think you should totally do them, Heidi, and I'll come to yours okay, on your Me too. I want sure. to show up on the river. <laughs> okay, good to know. I've got two guests already. Yep, mm -hmm. we're there.
We will support you for sure. Mike, I've got a question (laughs) for you, Heidi. If you were able to pick a celebrity to be like your spokesperson, do you have somebody that you would love to have on your team? Yeah, I would probably pick Billie Eilish. Not going to lie. Oh, she's a fierce fierce young woman. Um, Mm -hmm. She is. I think such um, an inspiration to young women who are trying to find their way. Um, She is not caught up in body image and what she's supposed to look like or not supposed to look like. I think she um, she's she's fierce and she's Mm -hmm. vegan. And I think her voice in the world right now is a really important voice. It's a young voice and it's talking to my nieces and nephews generation Mm -hmm. and it's having really big impact on the way that I can see it impact the way they feel about themselves, the way they feel in their skin um, and the way that they treat each other. Uh, And I feel like it's a direct result of Billy. So if I could get Billy to be like, what up, Heidi Ho, um, I would send her a box of your sauces. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We're going to push for it. All right. (laughs) All right. Well, I wanted to uh, mention something that you're doing to help out people who are maybe thinking about um, getting into vegan food manufacturing. And you do these 30-minute free consultations. Can you tell our listeners about that? Yeah, I think, you know, I noticed that a lot of people, as my company continued to grow, a lot of people like noticed, but then they also just reached out often to ask questions. And in the beginning, I found myself offering like lots and lots and lots and lots of free advice. Um, And over the course of time, I was like, you know, there's probably a way for me to advise people um, and help them get their path and stay a part of their companies the way that my mentors and my advisors have done for me. Um, So I started just opening up. I was getting enough requests that I just opened up, like, let's chat for 30 minutes. Let me offer anything that I can give to you in that period of time. If you want to continue to talk to me or have me join your team in some way or have me continue to, you know, be a consultant, then we can figure out how to, comp- you know, compensate me for that. But initially, it's just to help and uh, and see how and if I've got any bright ideas to help them get on their way. And uh, you know, that's I nice. think that's really lovely because I I talk about this all the time because I started like a hot sauce makers group with all the makers here in town so that we could be part of each other's story rather than thinking of each other as competition, right? We're all just part of this beautiful maker community and we can support each other. And so when I saw that you do that, I really feel like that's the same thing. Like you maybe aren't sure how you're going to end up in people's lives and maybe you won't be there through the end, but you're, you're there just to be supportive of this, you know, vegan marketplace. And I think that that's really a great way to do it and to just encourage people while they're on their manufacturing journey. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. And it's not just vegan businesses. I get businesses that reach out to me that are not entirely vegan or they're gluten free and they use, you know, they might use egg in there and they need some help with a recipe. Like I'm not, um, I'm, I'm a big supporter of our entire food system being disrupted and destroyed and changed and us becoming hyper local. And, um, It's none of my business how you choose to feed your family. Um, I leave that up to you. I make the choices I make for my own belief systems, right? So um, 
I'm a little bit more inclusive. I like that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we um, are getting very close to the end. And I just wanted to know, Heidi, do you have any advice for aspiring food entrepreneurs? Yeah, tell us. Um, Two things I think that were extraordinarily helpful for me. The first one is that I... Yeah, that I um, I know what I'm good at and I know what I'm not good at. And the places that uh, I'm not good, I was the first one to raise my hand and say, I have no idea what I'm doing. Someone help me. And being able to ask for help and support will will absolutely benefit you. So number one, ask for help. Um, and then the second thing was putting together a group of advisors uh, that I was inspired by that sort of acted as my like CEO advisor and CFO advisor uh, because I couldn't hire those positions. It was, you know, up until a certain point I couldn't hire. So having those voices um, in my company was very, very helpful. And I guess I have a third thing. Find a lawyer that you like that knows how to speak the, your language um, because uh I've had my lawyer for 10 years. I love him. He's phenomenal. Nobody ever says they love their lawyer. He (laughs) learned how to speak Heidi and he is just breaks everything down for me. So I understand it. So a lawyer and a good accountant. My lawyer's name is Andrew Harris. Um, He's from Northwest Corporate Law. Nice. And then my accountant from Tabor Accounting, Mark Tabor, um, their family run, and he's been doing my accounting forever. So having a good accountant and a good lawyer is also great advice. Yeah, very important. (laughs) I think that is good advice for people. I think especially people even that have been doing it for a long time need to have that advice sometimes. (laughs) I mean, I've had people come into the FIC and say their lawyer told them, you know, they didn't need to do something and then it screwed everything up about the name of their company. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It gets, so, all that stuff gets tricky. Okay. So it's good to have someone yeah. who knows specifically about food, too. Exactly. Yes. They need to yeah. have had food experience for sure. Mm-hmm. It's important. Yes. Well, Heidi, it was so wonderful to have you on the show today. We will, um, we will keep people posted on where and when to get your product. <laughs> and I'm just so glad to see your face and tell everybody about Heidi Ho. Thank you so much, ladies. <laughs> it's been so fun hanging out with you. I love that you're doing this to lift up women entrepreneurs. That is yeah. awesome. That's very and, cool. Um, yes, we'll be in touch. And I will put together a deck dinner party and uh, send you both invites. And we will be there. All right. <laughs> We record Masoni and Marshall inside of Mened Space. Tune in live every week, Fridays at 9 a.m. or find us on your favorite podcast platform. Thank you to our audio engineer, Alon, and our production assistant, Chelsea. If you want to be a guest on the show, you can submit press releases at startupradionetwork.com. And Market of Choice is Oregon's largest independent family-owned grocery store with 10 stores in Oregon. It's all about choice. We focus on having a wide selection of the finest and freshest conventional, natural, organic, local, and health-conscious products. We have more than 1,300 teammates, including real authentic chefs, bakers, butchers, cheesemongers, florists, and more. 
We all strive to create an authentic, relaxing, and enjoyable shopping experience with our customers and truly care about the communities where our teammates and customers live and work. To find the market of choice nearest you, visit our website at www.marketofchoice.com at Market of Choice. We buy local, so you can too. Thank you, everybody. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye for now. Be safe. Committed to serving Oregonians with the mission of advancing science that lives at the crossroads of conservation and production, Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are inspired by the creativity of new food development. We strive to find new flavors, new economic opportunities, new experiences, and honor diversity. We are proud sponsors of the Meaningful Marketplace because good food brings people together. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.